I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast looks at the greatest compilation series that this country ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me this week, our return guest. Is this three times? I'm going to say think three so, times. Yeah. Once, and, twice, three times a lady. <laughs> you and Alexi are equal first now for the most times you've been on the podcast. Can you please welcome It's Cameron James. Yay. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. And um, I won't spoil anything yet, but I have seen the list of songs. And I think we're in for a pretty good time. Now, the year is 1999. What's Cameron mm. James doing in 99? 99, I'm in year six. You get in the bunker ready with all the canned goods. Y2K's coming. You're really panicked. I was so scared about Y2K. <laughs> were, you, were you scared of it? I was really I w- scared. I wasn't scared of it, but I <laughs> did think that something major was going to happen. <laughs> we all but did, I, dude. I was like 18. I had no money in the bank. I had nothing. I was like, this would be cool. We'll all start from scratch again. <laughs> it was like, it was a genuine fear that was going around. I remember like the millennium bug. There were news stories about it. Like everything is going to stop. Planes will fall from the sky. That was the big one. Planes are going to just <laughs> fall from the sky. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> Do you reckon there was anywhere in the world that did get affected by the Millennium Bug? No. Just like one computer? <laughs> Just, yeah, maybe, maybe one toll booth somewhere. They went, oh no, we don't know how to get, get the, the, the boom gate up. Yeah, Because it was like, I, I don't know if I'm misremembering this, but wasn't it they were saying because the shorthand of two digits for the year will roll back to zero and zero. Yeah. It'll just somehow send us technologically back to like... The 1900s. The 1900s somehow. <laughs> it didn't really make sense. But yeah, no sense. So so you're year six in school. Year six in school. Very big pop fan at this Great. time. You know, I think we've talked about this in the past, but I didn't really know much rock or indie or alternative stuff until probably year seven yeah. Um, when I started listening to Triple J. But up until then, I was just strictly a top 40 dude. Like, were, just, you Were know, you playing music? Did your parents, like, get, get you guitar lessons or piano lessons or anything like that? I was... I had done some piano lessons and I started guitar lessons properly the year after. Okay. But my dad was a musician and so was my mum, actually. My dad played drums in a covers band and my mum played guitar and sang in the church band, um, which is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so rock and roll in the blood, obviously. Hey, I reckon there's, I've said this on the pod before, there's like, that's the, one of the good things about the church is you get an audience to sing in front of. Yeah, very so true. Many, so many artists in this country have come from 
Hillsong or Hillsong adjacent kind of those mega churches. Yeah, Gang of Youths, right? They were a, yeah. like almost a house band at Hillsong or something. Yeah. And I think the Temper Trap also were oh, or some oh, of the members. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sweet Disposition or whatever That's their it. song was called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we always had music blaring in the house. My dad was a big REM fan and my mum loved just all top 40 pop stuff. So. Yep. We always had the radio on, but it was commercial radio. It wasn't cool indie stuff. Yeah. So a lot of the songs on this half that we're going to listen to today are like they are the soundtrack to my to this time of my life. Great. Well, let's get into it. It's volume twenty-seven, the first half, side A. I'm going to start with a song that was everywhere in ninety-eight, ninety-nine. At the time, I wasn't a fan, but retroactively. Hmm. Quite like it. Hmm. Here is Cher and their song, Believe. Tune, like she's T-Pain. Now, yeah. Was that your first <clears throat> experience with auto-tune? Well, yes and no. It was, well, Daft Punk had been using it. Oh, yeah. And yep. Stardust, which is a Daft Punk offshoot, I think. Yeah, what was the Stardust song? Uh, music Sounds Better With You. Yes. That was it, That's yeah. right. It had the same animation style in the music video and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so this was uh, the first time, though, that Autotune, I think, had got number one in America. Far out. Yeah, so this was the comeback smash. It's aged way better than I would have anticipated aging. Totally. Uh, Autotune, well, this, so the, we'll go through Autotune for a bit. So, this is uh, Cher's first uh, number one hit in a quarter of a century. Uh, wow. That's crazy. In America. In Australia, Turn Back Time got number one, but this didn't. Oh, okay. Right, in America, right, they right. got number three. So, that makes sense. Uh, Autotune was invented by a flautist turned electrical engineer, a guy called Andy Hildebrand. And he invented it after a friend at a dinner party joked if he could make something that could help her sing in tune. So, he went, oh, maybe I could actually do that. <laughs> it was meant to be used sparingly But for fun he had a zero setting That made you sound like Cher does here Made you sound like a bit robotic uh, This was only a year before Cher recorded Believe And after this song Every update of the auto-tune on Pro Tools It was just called the Cher effect Hmm, no yep. kidding Yeah 
So the producers of the song, Mark Taylor and Brian Rawling, uh, they were brought in by, at the bequest of uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, the head of Warner Brothers was like, hey, Cher has a huge gay following. This is in the UK, by the way. Uh, Cher has a huge gay following. Do a disco record with her, a dance album. We just want to get that pink dollar, baby. Yeah, you got to chase it if you can, you know. Well, me and you can. We, we chase that pink dollar. I'm we love that pink dollar. We're screaming after the ch- pink dollar. I'm sprinting after going, come on, come back. <laughs> um, so Cher was in the public eye because her ex-husband, Sonny Bono, uh, died in a skiing accident the year before, I think, and oh, spoke, at a no fu- spoke at his funeral. And she was everything Cher is. She was like funny but she was also that kind of like wise kind of is it wise or is it like does it mean nothing it's kind of it's just intriguing i i I really dig share anyway so um brian higgins we've talked about before uh he's the producer he uh we talked about him when we talked about the band t-shirt and their cover of uh do you think I'm sexy or you sexy thing uh because he and miranda cooper are now a production company called xenomania and he'd been working with Danny Minogue. So in a parallel universe, Danny Minogue could have had this song. Hmm. You know, it sounds minogue I think because, and we've talked about how Kylie had a few like disco bangers yep. in the 90s as well. And, and Kylie is probably chasing a similar market to share in many ways. Yeah. And it does sound like a Minogue type song. Um, especially if you put it in the context of like Cher has been around since the 60s, I assume, and has yep. um, this is a new vibe for her in many ways. Um, it's definitely the first time that I remember being a, at least aware of auto-tune. I remember yep. thinking like, oh, this is an odd sound on her voice. But was Bon Jovi, when was their song? Um, whoa, that what been, that one? Yeah, wow, wow. When was that? <laughs> that must I don't have know. been not, not long <laughs> after this, I'd assume. Uh, yeah, after or maybe a little before. I, I don't know, yeah. And then there was, uh, recently I've been listening to ELO. Um, oh, yep. And they have a bit of a robotic sounding voice in Mr. Blue Sky. I'd love to know what that is, if that's not auto-tune. Well, I remember Foo Fighters had a song where uh, oh, Dave yeah. Roll had the pipe wow, in his wow, mouth. Wow, yeah. Wow, <laughs> and he would do it live with the pipe in his mouth. What is that thing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I always see that thing in like, I think Bon Jovi, they had the pipe thing too. What the yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> I want the pipe. <laughs> Give me that pipe. <laughs> give me the give pipe. Me, give me that pink dollar. Give me that pipe. Imagine doing a stand-up with the pipe in your mouth. <laughs> Whatever that fucking thing. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> um, so how uh, Taylor and Rawlings, how they came about with the, the zero effect on the share vocal was they were just mucking about one night when uh, they were in the studio on, the, on their own and mm. put it as the zero effect and then we were playing with it. And then share came in and heard it. She apparently came in early and she went, I love this. And they went, oh, no, we better change it. And she said, over my dead body, you change that. If you change that, I'm walking. She actually said, don't let anyone touch this track. I'm going to rip your throat out. <laughs> and uh, for a while, they lied about the autotune, said, no, they did it through a uh, vocoder pedal. And then oh, eventually they okay. went, oh, no, no, it was just, yeah, we just did the easy autotune thing. Okay, so vocoder is the other thing, which is sounds like autotune, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, but this, yeah. Yeah, this was. I don't know why people think auto tunes a dirty thing. It's like no, if it makes it sound, especially like this, people it makes it sound like another instrument. It's great. 
It is cool when it's used, I think, at its extremes like this. I think, like, obviously people use it to touch up vocal pitching. Yeah. And to me, I mean, I I probably don't care that much. But for the purposes of this conversation, I'll say I think that is cheating. And I think that's like touching up an artist's, like, you know, canvas. I used to think stuff like that was cheating as well. And now I don't. Because I used to think using a rhyming dictionary to write songs was cheating. Mm, mm. And I said that to uh, singer-songwriter Darren Hanlon. And he said, yeah. no, it's not. It's just using your tools. Why wouldn't you? He goes, Stephen Merritt from the Magnetic Fields, he uses one. Why wouldn't you just use one to make it easier for yourself? I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, why, why do I have these dumb rules in place that That's you don't true. have to? It's like when people in comedy are like, as a musical comedian, like, oh, it's just a six-string clapping machine. It's just getting an easy laugh. It's like, yeah, but... People are coming out to laugh. Like, yeah, isn't what? that the point? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a good point. Um, this song got to number one in 23 countries. Uh, and it. I'm not the only one who's changed their tune on it as well. Uh, Auto-tune. Auto-tune. <laughs> in 2007, uh, Rolling Stone ranked it the 10th most annoying song of all time. <laughs> and then 14 years later, they put it as the 337th greatest song of all time. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm with them. I think I'm also with you. I think you said at the start you were not a fan of this song when it was out. Yeah. I reckon I also would have found it to be annoying, but the older I get, the more I kind of love it. Yeah. It's and an there irresistible was, beat. I, I forget. Some band covered it on Like A Version on Triple oh, J. Oh, it was DMAs, I think. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. um, and at the time I was like, oh, this is so lame. And then I listened to it. I'm like, actually, no, it's a, it's a nice pop song. It's got some yeah. good hooks. Some very good hooks, I should say. All right, moving on to another nice pop song. This went to number one in Australia. It's the first single from her debut album. This is Jennifer Page and Crush. It's got those Santana, Rob Thomas kind of feel to it. to number three in the US, top 20 in 15 other countries, number one in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. And what I'm hmm. noticing with this, they're all the same countries when it comes to music, Cam. <laughs> yeah, Australia, yeah. New Zealand, Canada, we like the same stuff. I guess we are kind of all the same in the yeah. eyes of Americans. Yeah, a little bit country, a little bit rock. That's what we like, a little <laughs> yeah. bit pop, all that kind of stuff. That's why we love Pink and the Foo Fighters. Yes, it really is. <laughs> so uh, this uh, made its debut on LA pop station Kiss FM, which we have here in this country, in 98. It was the station's most requested song and sold out its first pressing of 20,000 copies in a week. Wow, just, no yep. kidding. Rumours are it was written about NSYNC member 
and the funniest name in pop, Joey Fatoni. <laughs> Because Are it looks serious? like, yeah, it looks like it was it's Joey Fat one, um, yeah, because they were allegedly dating at the time. Oh now, my god! The allegedly is very important here, Cam. <laughs> okay, because Joey Fatoni, the fat one, he was twenty one, Jennifer fifteen. Yeah, oh, brother, that ain't good. <laughs> Joey, so Joey, alleg- Joey, allegedly, Joey, bad one. <laughs> Joey, not a good guy. Um. That's crazy. So this is like the you're so vain of um, our generation. It's just oh a, yeah, or the uh, ironic, the Alanis Morissette's ironic. David Coulier. Yeah, this is the David <laughs> Coulier. That's insane. I mean, this is um. So how old was she when this came out? Like 16, Sixteen when it came out. Yeah, unbelievable. Recorded like it when she, she was fifteen. Yeah, she's a child star. That's yeah. crazy. Um, and, did, and did she like go on to do other things? This is the only song I know of hers. This is really her only hit. The album, mm. the album didn't do well in the US. Only got to 139. Even in Australia, where the song was double platinum, the album only got to 44. Mm. The follow-up album didn't chart. Apparently, the record label didn't really believe in it. They kind of just kind of buried it. Didn't do any press. And uh, in 2003, she parted ways with the label. She's still kind of doing music. Um, mm. She in 2012 she co-wrote a song for Smash Mouth. The song's called Magic. Their album was called Magic, and that charted number 22 on the adult Billboard charts, which is so funny that Smash Mouth are now considered the adult songs. Yeah. <laughs> and in 2017 she released an album called Starflower, and that was supported through a Kickstarter, which raised mm. thirty thousand dollars. So she's got you know, yeah, raising thirty thousand dollars is is very very good for a Kickstarter to yeah, get an album made. Awesome. Um, she also performed this song on Hey Hey It's Sad Day. And I'm not going to lie, Cameron, I watched the episode uh, last not night the, that she was on. Episode. Not the full, no, just this. <laughs> but she does the song, then she does an interview at the desk. Oh, wow. Daryl Summers. Darryl. No, he was not hosting that night. Oh, no kidding. Larry Emder was the host. <laughs> but don't think it was wow. any less, like, any less insane. Why uh, didn't it, they get Molly to interview the musicians, for God's sake? I don't he's right, know. He's right there. Also, Red Simons, Wilbur Wilde, they could yes. all host the show. <laughs> Get Ozzy the Ostrich to do the fucking interviews. But it was that thing. So she's a teenager at the desk. They come mm. over, they present her with a platinum plaque for album sales. Um, she's got a microphone that she sang with in her hands. Mm. And then Dickie Knee just pops up and says, you don't need that microphone, give it to me. And she kind of doesn't know what's going on. Understandably, yeah. <laughs> then John Blackman says some things. Then some sound effects go off. Then a video, uh, like a cartoon, pops up that she can't <laughs> see, but the audience can. They all laugh. It's like, come on, guys. And I, I tweeted this this morning. But if you watch, if you watch ASA date through the lens of it's like the Eric Andre show, oh, and yeah. the whole thing is just to fuck with the guests. It's really entertaining. I actually think uh, I, I know we're on a sidetrack now about Hey Head Saturday, but. I think when it began, it was it that. was, that? It was yeah. a chaotic, crazy show. That it started as a daytime show. Yeah, and it was morning. Just, yeah, yeah, it was a morning show, and it was crazy and insane. Had all these weird gimmicks, and then it became a nighttime show, and then it just became mainstream. But I believe the idea of it was we're doing chaos, um, and it it is chaos. <laughs> Bring it back. I agree. Get Sam Campbell to host it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, but that's um that's crazy that it was uh, such a big hit for her. I'm happy for her. It yeah. was a weird time in um female led pop. This point in the '90s where we're sort of between 
you know, like a like a 80s star, like Belinda Carlisle and the next, like the Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera yeah. generation. Like, I think, as we're going to find out on this playlist, a lot of these female-led pop stars are either R&B or um, singer-songwriter. Yep. Well, so we- to be someone like Jennifer Page, I guess is an odd place to be because just sort of neither of those things really. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of teens coming up on this album as well. We have another one now. She's 19 at this stage. This is Brandy mm. and her number one US song, Have You Ever. Have you ever? What do you think, Cam? You know, I kind of love this style of r and B. I'm a bit of a sucker for it. And yep. in the past, I think we've talked about a few. I can't, was it En Vogue? Or yeah, no En Vogue's, yeah. One. yeah. So I, I would have thought, without having done any research, this was Babyface. His mm. mitts were all over it. But he wasn't, mm. wasn't on this one. Yeah, I don't think I even knew this song. I, I mainly... I know Brandy from I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, that was just a year before this came out. So she was kind yeah. of riding high. She had that. She had she played Cinderella in a TV version starring mm. Jason Alexander and Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, wow, Moesha, what a cast. Yeah, I know. Moesha was her TV show that she was yep. uh, still involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just had a number one song with uh, Monica, with The Boy Is Mine. Yeah, I know The Boy Is Mine. Yeah. That's, a, that's on a playlist of mine that gets regular rotation. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so this song was written by a woman called Diane Warren, yes. who has also written for the aforementioned share. Uh, she wrote "If I Could Turn Back Time." Yeah, Diane Warren's one of the greats, one of the yep. great pop songwriters. Uh, this year, she'd also written "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing" by Aerosmith, or they released it. I love that song. She also wrote "Blame It on the Rain" by Millie Vanilli. <laughs> yeah, but didn't get cancelled for it. So, those two dances got cancelled. Yeah. Never worked. I mean, they worked again, but it wasn't. It wasn't good. But everyone didn't else they try to put s- out an album just as the two of them singing. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> then it didn't didn't work. <laughs> but the people behind wrote, it, she wrote "Rhythm of the Night." Yeah. As well. mm-hmm. Yeah. So this song, see, I, I have weird feelings with this song because technically it's perfect. You like, she sings all the big notes. The production yeah. is flawless, but it just doesn't do anything for me. I don't. Yeah. Believe, and I think because. Maybe because I know she's 19 years old and I'm like, you don't know what yeah. you're fucking talking about. 
I know yeah, someone I'm else wrote this. Yeah. I, I kind of always feel like that with these big, sappy, ballady songs that young stars do. I'm always yeah. like, no, you should only be allowed to do fun songs yep. until you're like 35 and then you can pull out the my heart is broken shit, you know? Yeah. Like, just do the boy is mine yeah. all of your career until you've gone through a heartbreak. Uh, so this song got to number one in the US, but in a weird technicality, I'm learning about how their charts work. It didn't sell the most uh, copies. It was number mm. one for two weeks. Neither of those weeks it sold the most copies, but it went number one because it got a ton of radio play because it was a crossover hit between the R&B stations and the pop mm. stations. Mm. Which people didn't do. It was people very much stayed in their lane, and so it seems contrived by the label, which is smart. That's what you want your label doing. Going, yeah. hey, we we want to make you the biggest star we can, and even in the uh, with Brandy talking about uh, singing the song, Diane Warren was like, "Going, I'm going to give you some money notes in this song, uh-huh. and they're they're money notes that people hear them and they just want to pay for it, and you're going to be make a lot of money off the back of this song." <laughs> what do you, hang on, what do you mean by that? Like there's such high notes that people are like, I need to hear that again. I'm paying ha- for it. Either hard notes to sing yeah. or just the big, big notes. And you yeah, listen to, yeah. if you listen to it again, you'll see that she's she's hitting every note in this yeah, song. Celine yeah. Dion does this as well. Just it's almost like I'm I'm showing off. It's yeah. more, more like a maths problem than virtuosic. Actual. Like yeah. like yeah, Celine is a great example. Mariah Carey probably too, where you kind yeah. of go. This is what I'm paying for, someone to do this acrobatic shit for yep. me. Yeah. That's fun. Have you ever? All right, moving on. Just before we do, though, oh, she, yeah. her brother Ray J is quite famous. Yeah, I've seen his video. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> moving on. Hey, this is the first time we get to talk about this band together. Uh, I've talked about him a fair bit in the past. Uh, your your fellow podcaster, Alexi, is a massive fan of this band. This is <laughs> the Spice Girls, and this is Goodbye. <laughs> enough okay so this is yeah. their first song without ginger i know and by this point i was out i You're was out. in i was in before this uh when the spice girls first came about 97 yeah yeah 96 97 um, yep. it was like 
I think this is the good thing about the primary school I went to. We weren't gendered when it came to the music that we liked. So yep. all the boys in my year also loved the Spice Girls as much as the girls did at this yeah, point. Great. Maybe just because we were that, I don't know how old we would have been, like 10 or something. And um, and so we all loved them. Like everyone in my year loved them. And when Ginger left, there was heartbreak that was, <laughs> it united the boys and the girls in our year. We were all just so upset. Who was your favorite Spice Girl? <laughs> Well, I wanted baby. We we all had to pick, you know, you who your favourite was. Oh. <laughs> she was older than me. <laughs> I know she's the pedophilic one, but she was older than me. I swear to God. Um, but I ended up getting uh, someone in my year. This kid, Pat, was like, baby's my favourite. So no one else can like baby. It's so and funny. I was like, yep. fuck, okay. So I guess I better like posh. So I liked posh. And I she liked was the one. Posh. She was when I when people ask me who's your favorite Spice Girl, I used to say yeah, Posh Spice. Yeah, yeah. Why though? I don't She's know. Like, she was like the least uh, singery one of all yeah. of them, really. <laughs> she didn't yeah. really do much. But um, I was the same as you. I don't know why I liked her. When I look back on them now, I think Mel B and Ginger are the better ones. They're like yes. the most fun to watch and listen to. Yeah, I think Mel C and Mel B, the two Mel's, I think. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Mel C's Mel, got a great voice. She's the best singer, mm. but also her Mel B just seems somewhat unhinged, and I like that in a yeah, pop Yeah, she's star. dangerous, which is yeah. cool. Um, she's got kids with Eddie Murphy, and she, she does. Awesome. She, on Piers Morgan, <laughs> she said that her and Derry had a like, uh, they had sex with each other. Oh and then, yeah. And then right. Mel C was in the audience going, "No, no, I don't think that happened." And then. <laughs> Jerry Halliwell said, this never happened. Like, and um, Mel B had to make an apology to her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, Yeah, we went and saw, for my, I guess I would have been 11 or 12. um, For my birthday, I made my dad take me and a group of my friends, boys and girls, to go see the Spice Girls movie, Spice World. Spice World, yeah. And we all loved it. There was like 12 of us kids there and my dad. And about half an hour into the movie, my dad was just like, I can't fucking handle this. And he stood up and just left. He was like, I'll just wait outside. I can't. He just went and sat in the car and listened to Steely Dan or something while we loved the movie. <laughs> so this was a standalone single. It was kind of, they were working on it before Ginger had left. And then they, le- and then they ended up dedicating it to Jerry Halliwell. Mm. Um, even though it wasn't really written about it, but they went, oh, this makes sense. So yeah. it was released in 98, standalone single. It was their third uh, Christmas number one in a row. The only mm. band to ever accomplish that feat was the Beatles before them. Wow. It got to number one in New Zealand and Canada and three in Australia. A bit of difference yeah. there. Yeah. So God. this is how uh, I did some research on Jerry leaving. So on the 31st of May, 1998, we're coming up to almost 25 years. Uh, she announced that she was leaving the Spice Girls through her solicitor. And she said, sadly, I would like to confirm that I have left the Spice Girls. This is because of differences between us. I'm sure the group will continue to be successful and I wish them all the best. And then she let, later went on to say it was exhaustion and she wanted to take a break. Uh, so she performed in Helsinki with the group uh, not too, like a couple of nights before, which was also Mel B's birthday. Hmm. And then apparently uh, some altercation happened on the way home and then they had an appearance on the National Lottery, which we talked to the TV show uh, last week with Quan. Uh, and they said, oh, Jerry's not feeling very well tonight, Mel C said. 
and get well soon, Jerry. And she pointed to the camera. And so even though she'd left, they were in denial about, mm. they couldn't announce it yet. Yeah. And so uh, Jerry went to her brother's house in France and uh, they continued without her until they uh, finally made the big call. Did she end yeah. up coming back for the reunion Yeah, show? she's she's in the reunions. The one who's hard to get now is Victoria Beckham. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. she's just like... Beckham, Victoria Beckham, first of all, is not a singer. No. At all. And she says... She admits that as well. Yeah. She said... I, it's not an said, insult to her. She just isn't. <laughs> no. Well, she said that she watched Elton John uh, do in concert and he was doing songs from the 60s like he'd written them that day and was like really... And she goes, oh, I don't feel the passion like these musicians do. Yeah. I'm, it's not for me. Like, it's yeah. fun, but yeah. Which I... Which is cool. Like, I think that's yeah. cool of our, um, And she's bigger than... All of them yes. as well. Like she's just she's a an icon in her own way. So she doesn't need to be out there like pretending that she's posh spice anymore. She's Victoria no. Beckham, you know. She's very famous for being that. Yep. Um she's famous for having uh the mic stand named after her. I know. Have you ever done that joke? And I've ne- do, I, do your I, audience I, know what that joke for, is? For the listener, the audience <laughs> The joke is, and this happened a lot in the uh, 90s and early 2000s, a comedian would take the mic off the stand and say, I'll just move Posh Spice out of the way, referring to her being very skinny. For and a while it was, I'll move, move, I'll move Ali McBeal. That was, yeah. that was one. Yeah. Uh, Karen Carpenter, I'm sure, was used in the 80s mm. and early Twiggy. 90s. Twiggy. <laughs> yeah. In the 60s. Lenny Bruce would say, I'll just move Twiggy out of the way and... <laughs> shift the mic stand across it's one of those like old school hack jokes that you f- you sometimes still see I- yeah. i've in my lifetime i've seen it quite a bit i've been at a gig where <laughs> two people i know use it and they still use it and one was coming late and didn't know that the host who was one who used it had already used it at the start and they went on and used the same joke guess what still got laughs <laughs>, <laughs> Well, it's undeniable. It's so funny that people still have to try and, like, they're like, who? Posh boy. Oh, yeah, I guess she was really skinny, famously, in the year 2001 or whatever. Uh, All right. Moving on. Oh, this is, I can't believe we didn't talk about their first single. They didn't get the rights to it. But this is their second single. This is, hey, speaking of Ray J, this Mm. is Bare Naked Ladies and their song, (laughs) It's All Been Done. Fuck yes. You like that one? I love it. <laughs> it, it. It sounds like the opening of a 90s sitcom. That's what I love about Bare Naked yeah. Ladies. All their songs are just like perfect in 30 seconds. Yep. You got 
opening credits, there's the fat dad, the hot mom. You can picture all of them coming up on screen for it. Yeah. It's almost like advertising jingles, the way that they write songs. It's yeah. Well, perfectly they, catchy. They did do the theme to Big Bang Theory. That they was did. Their, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's also... Actually, no, I don't like that one as much because that's too wordy for me. I like yeah. this oh, okay. melodic well, shit. Well, this is the second single. One Week, I Loved. Mm. I, I went out and bought that single and it was a great single to buy because it had like four songs from their previous album because in Australia, we didn't know the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. And so it had like, uh, if I had a million dollars, Brian Wilson. It was, it was great. Mm. And then One Week with the chickity china the chinese chicken the chinese chicken (laughs) it's been anyway uh so this song got to number one in their homeland of canada Mm. now they began as a duo they went to school together they were different grades and then uh they weren't friends until they met each other at a restaurant after a peter gabriel concert they'd both been at the peter gabriel concert and went oh wow you're into music then they went to the same music uh camp did you ever go to music camp camp no i didn't did you no, never did. I went to Cub Scouts camps. I went to a maths camp. That was cool. Mm, okay, yeah. so we're both cool in different yeah, ways. Yeah, cool dudes. <laughs> anyway, and then they become they became a band because uh, Stephen Page uh, had an extra ticket to a Bob Dylan gig hmm. and asked Ed Robinson, the other member, if he'd like to join him. And then as they were waiting in for Bob to come on stage, they would make each other laugh by coming up with uh, dumb band names. And one of them was Bare Naked Ladies. And so that's was they named their band after that little conversation. It was a particularly like evocative band name when I was this age. Yeah. Well, it was that thing of like, and there's a band in Melbourne called Private Function. They're a punk mm. band, which is one of those names. You're like, this is just so when you're written on the chalkboard, it says Friday night, Private Function. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there used to be the whole thing. If you name yourself Free Beer, you'll get lots of people there because they're like Friday Free yeah, Beer. Yeah, yeah. This is the same thing, Friday night. Bare Naked Ladies. It's like, all right, cool. Uh, yeah. So they started performing uh, around their local town and they gave they made a demo and gave it to the comedy troupe Corking the Juice Pigs. Do you know Corking the Juice Pigs? No. They had a song called Only Gay Eskimo, which they pl- oh, came out. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. the so only gay Eskimo. Yeah. I'm the only one I know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yep. the Juice Pigs got them opening for them and to fill out their sound, they invited more friends from Bandcamp to join them. Uh, they also, Bare Naked Ladies, are in the club of being one of the bands who played at the Peach Pit After Dark, the club on Beverly Hills 90210, <laughs> which I now realise is just any any Warner Brothers band that needed a bit of a push. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, so One Week was number one in the US for one week. Uh, and this is the most 90 <laughs> sentence I'll ever read out loud. In 1999, the Bare Naked Ladies had a guest appearance on the TV show Two Guys, A Girl, and a Pizza Place. <laughs> oh, shit. I used to love that show. That was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. I was a sucker for, like, literally every American sitcom at oh. this time. I loved all of them. <clears throat> yeah. And I thought they were all Seinfeld-level good. Like, yeah. I really did believe that. Can I say, did, did you like Frasier? Yeah, I liked Frasier. See, Frasier was the only one I didn't like as a kid. I, I watched, smug. I watched everything, and I was like, I'm not into this one. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it, and I don't think I even got it. I just kind of liked the interplay between them, and I liked that you know they were talking fancy. I guess I was at home being like, ha ha ha, they're fancy. The one I really liked, Spin City. I, I loved Spin Fox. City. Yeah. I, I rewatched it during uh, COVID. Does it hold up? Yeah, fucking great. Except <laughs> yeah, great. for when Charlie Sheen comes in and takes yeah. over. That's yeah. when you got to step out. You got to take a break. 
Uh, so, Bare Naked Ladies have some big fans. So, in 2008... Uh, Paul McCartney was asked by a musician which bands he enjoys in the music scene, and his response was, the Bare Naked Ladies. Their harmonies are right on. Are they you could out- serious? Yep. He said, they could outsing any of us any day of the week. I don't think John and myself ever had that sort of range they do. No way. This he can't would be love- real. He-, he said he would love to record with them in the future, and they never have. <laughs> I- I <don't- laughs> Bare Naked Ladies, get on the phone. <laughs> what? No way. This can't be real. That is real. Where'd, where'd this quote come from? From the internet, Cameron. <laughs> because this is like, this feels like, do you remember that urban legend that Paul McCartney, someone asked Paul McCartney, well, there's that one. Oh, the Crowded House one? <laughs> yeah. Someone said, uh, so what does it feel like to be the best songwriter in the world? And he allegedly said, I don't know, you'd have to ask Neil Finn. Is that not true? Apparently it's not true. Oh, Someone, I've, said, I've said it on this podcast before. <laughs> I've said it almost every day of my life since I heard it to anybody who'll listen. But I, I think it's not true. Someone asked him to clarify it a few years later and he said, I don't remember saying that, but he is a very good songwriter. Well, so he's, he's complimenting him, but he's I not can saying confirm, he's better than me. I can confirm on this podcast that Marilyn Manson was the kid from the Wonder Years and he can suck <laughs> his own dick because he had his roots removed. I can confirm that. <laughs> but is this an example of that? Is this like some bare naked ladies law that's out there that's not true? I'll have to I'll have to wait until Paul McCartney's on the show to ask him. I just can't imagine a world where Paul McCartney says that the bare naked ladies are better singers than him and John McDonald. <laughs> It doesn't well, make sense. Well, he's talking about harmonies. Maybe they were. Maybe they hit their harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, hey, shit. we're going to take a short break. We'll be back. Oh, sorry. Before soon. we do. Before oh, we yes? do. You didn't mention that David Duchovny is in the oh, uh, yes, music in video the film clip. for this yep. song. Because they, they met at, uh, I think it was either Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien. Yeah, they and met on Conan O'Brien and, uh, or something like that. And David Duchovny apparently pitched to them, can I be on your next album playing the Egg Shakers? Yeah. And he was like miming doing Egg Shakers to them and they loved him so much that they were like, we got to get this guy on the music video. The Dukov on the film clip. <laughs> All right, let's take this break. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. All right. Now, we have talked about her so much. This is another, this is the fourth single from the album, Come On Over, Shania Twain. Oh, come on. Grow up. Don't say it like that. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about all four singles on the pod already. This is written by Shania and that dirty dog, Mutt Lang. <laughs> the Mutt. This is From This Moment On. Come on. From this moment, life has begun. From this moment, you are the 
get really big here but we can't really play I give my hand to you with all my heart I can't wait right. to technically live. that's all we can play sorry sorry mm. listeners yeah or you're welcome <laughs> listeners um so this was written uh during a soccer game in Italy so Shania Twain was there with Mutt and uh she said, my husband loves sports. I don't really know the game that well. So my mind drifted off and I just started writing in the stands. And she thought God. this would be a perfect song for fellow Canadian Celine Dion. Uh, but oh, Mutt, Mutt was like... It sounds so Celine. It does, my doesn't God, it? Yeah. yeah. But Mutt was like, no, no, I think you should sing it. And I think it should be a duet. So the initial uh, copies of this, it was a duet with a guy called Brian White. Hmm. Uh Initially, their first choice was Elton John. Couldn't get Elton, so of course, Brian White's the next in, in next. Yeah, choice. of course. I mean, in the in the ranking of like iconic yeah. pop stars, it probably goes Elton John, Brian White. <laughs> so Brian White, then Mick Jagger, it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he's a country singer. He's a country singer, and uh, Shania Twain, big fan of him, says not just one of the best country voices, one <clears> of the best voices. Period. Okay. Mm. Uh, then they did two versions, one as a duet, one as the uh, solo. And the initial first pressings were of the album coming over. It was the duet. And then something happened. I don't know what happened. I think mm. uh, White's record company were like, hey, we don't, we're not a pop act. We're a country act. We don't want this in the pop mm. charts. And so they took him off. Well, Warner Brothers, I think, or well, Mercury took him off. And said, so, "No, you just do it as a solo." And so, then it was released as a single, as a solo, act, uh, a solo song for hmm. Shania, which must be weird. That must—it's yeah. a weird thing for Brian to go. Oh, I was on this song, and then they've just kind of cut me out. And so, in future pressings of the album, is he not? He's on not it? on there. Yeah. So he's not. He's only in on the American version of it. Apparently, on the international version, he's he's just not there. So, and he goes, "They, they release it as a pop record. I'm not a pop artist, so my feelings aren't hurt." But I reckon they would. Yeah, it's really. I mean, you talked about this earlier with like the R and B pop thing with Brandy, and um, things were so binary in the nineties when it came to the charts. Like they really didn't like a crossover artist. It seemed. No. Whereas now that is literally the only way you can make a superstar is to have them be like essentially Taylor Swift or Drake or something where yeah. they they exist across multiple charts. Well, Little Nas X is the perfect example of oh, hip hop yes. and country. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this song got to number 2 in Australia. It was already in the top 50 for 11 weeks before it got to the peak of 2. The song that kept it off the top spot, The Goo Goo Dolls, Iris. Another great song, a great song which we mm. won't talk about on this podcast. Why no rights? Uh, it's not on. It's not on the um, this compilation. I think it's on That's Pod insane. Machine though. So go yeah. over there, Patreon. Uh, it was the tenth highest selling single of nineteen ninety eight in Australia, even though it didn't get to number one. Yeah. Shit. 
I feel like I don't even really remember hearing it that often. I know this song really well, but I don't remember hearing it played that much out here. I reckon you weren't going to weddings in 1999. I reckon this was the perfect wedding song. That's probably true. It's a shame that um, the Dirty Dog uh, Mart Mart did what he did because they really wrote some good songs together, I think. Yeah. All right, let's move on. This is, oh, we're kind of sticking country. Yeah. This is Faith Hill and her big hit in Australia, This Kiss. I don't want another heartbreak I don't need another turn to cry No, I don't want to learn the hard way Baby, hello, oh no, goodbye But you got me like a rocket Shooting straight across the sky It's the way you love me It's a feeling like this It's centrifugal motion It's perpetual bliss It's that pivotal moment I love a song that gets to the chorus within 30 seconds. Oh, this so good. It's Every really good. Pop songwriters, take note. Get to that chorus ASAP. Get it in our heads. Yeah. And you know what? Include the phrase centrifugal motion if you can. <laughs> If you can get that into a pop song, you've done your job. So this uh, got to number four in Australia, top 10 in the US, was nominated for two Grammys, one for Best Female Country Vocals and Best Country Song. Lost both of them to the uh, previously mentioned Shania Twain, Mm. her song, You're Still the One. But don't worry, she'd win a Grammy later in her career for songs we will absolutely talk about on this podcast coming up. So stay tuned. About eight weeks. That's a good, that's a good hook for yep. future episodes. Uh, <laughs> Faith Hill started performing in church fairs and rodeos in her early teens. And she was inspired to sing after seeing Elvis Presley at age nine. Who so was she went, she went to an Elvis gig. At nine years old? At nine years old. Oh my god, her parents are animals They're letting her see those gyrating hips Elvis, the pelvis Okay, so at 19, she quit school to move to Nashville Mm. To pursue her dream of being a country singer And she auditioned to be a backup singer for Reba McIntyre I love Reba too I love country pop so much (laughs) Especially female-led country pop I fucking love it She didn't get the job, which was lucky Because a few years later, after auditioning (laughs) Uh, Reba McIntyre's entire band were killed in a plane crash. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Reba wasn't on the plane. So Faith Hill mm, could have been on that flight. Think, <laughs> makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> Almost like Reba had something to do with it, perhaps. <laughs> hmm. uh, <laughs> so she uh, got a job working at a um, music publishing company and she was in there one day singing when a co-worker heard her sing mm. and encouraged her to do a demo. And uh, I think we've had another uh, performer on this podcast who had the same thing. She was like wanting to be a singer, so got a job in the publishing Mm. company and then would just sing around the office. There must be so many people who just get jobs in there and go, I'm just going to sing around here. Well, that's how I got into comedy. I got a job (laughs) in uh, comedy music, comedy publishing, and I was just doing jokes around the water cooler, (laughs) doing (laughs) knock-knocks in the staff room. 
So uh, she married the executive of that company, a guy called Daniel Hill. Um, but then she divorced in 94 after she uh, signed her record contract. They got divorced straight away. Okay, Faith. I see what's going on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She has had uh, success throughout from like 94. She was like big on the country charts. Then <clears throat> this is her first crossover hit. Mm. And then she's she's continued. Because she's now in the Yellowstone spin-off, 1883. Oh, that's is, right. She's too. With, um, yeah. Sam Elliott, I think. Yeah. A couple of... Which the other country guy. Is it Tim McGraw or someone? Well, that's her husband, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so she's technically now Faith McGraw, but she still performs under Faith Hill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched that Yellowstone spin-off, but I'm like... I could see myself really getting into it because there's just something about... The older I get... Actually, I believe it was Justin Hamilton said this to me. He said, once you get into your 30s, you either start veering towards jazz or country. Yeah. And I'm, I've fully gone country. I'm the same. Yeah. 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 I can't, you can't help it. There's just something very simple about it and very fun and it's catchy and the emotions are right on the surface. That's it. I, I, I believe it. these country singers. Yeah, I, believe I believe them. them. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to move on. Someone else, I believe. This is another song from the Velvet Rope, the horniest CD about depression ever. This is the sixth single from the album. This is Every Time by Janet Jackson. That piano line reminds me of Go West, the king of wishful thinking. Exactly the same melody. It also, I don't know what it is about it. It has a little bit of a feel of, uh, this is my favourite Sesame Street song, which is I Don't Want to Live on the Moon. But Yeah. And it's this kind of like, it's, she's very restrained in this song. Mm. Like she has the pipes to belt this out, but it's really nice that it's more understated. Whereas yeah. give to someone like Brandy and you know that Brandy's going to try and hit all the notes and like, make it as big as possible. But I think yeah. Janet Jackson is like, no, no, this song is kind of me being a bit fragile. Hold, yeah, holding yeah. it back a little bit. She's, she sounds, it's the most she sounded like Michael, I think, actually. Um, yeah. 
as far as like when Michael does these sorts of ballads. I don't know if I'm a big Janet fan. I just don't think, I don't remember her songs being like in the charts when I was younger. I just know who she is. Buddy, go and listen to The Velvet Rope. It is. If you like R&B, it is. Mm. A classic. It well, is so good. Were you saying that this is the sixth single? So the there must sixth, have been so many fucking hits on it. Yeah, the sixth single. It at the time she was the highest paid artist ever. She was paid eighty million dollars. Uh, hmm. Madonna and her brother Michael were only paid sixty million dollars for their album contracts. Uh, th- but that didn't make her happy. She was very depressed in this in this part of her life. Hmm. And uh, so yeah, I think there's a whole documentary about her that everyone should watch. It's called Janet. It's great. But the Velvet Velvet Rope is like, it is a very good album. I said it last time we talked about it that like, I didn't listen to it in 97, 98. Hmm. I've only listened to it off the back of doing this podcast. And I'm like, oh, it's it's a classic for a reason. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this, this single, it didn't really do anything in the charts. Um, but I think that's because it was the sixth single and it was released 14 months after the album came out. So everyone who was a Janet fan already had the album. The only country where it did well was in Iceland, where it got to number five. Um, the film clip holds up. It's Janet naked in a pool. And I'm going to say something controversial here, Cam. Mm-hmm. She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, am it, I crazy even... or is this famously beautiful woman hot? Even with a lower back tattoo. She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, it's funny when you get to a point in your life where you look back at people that were really famous when you were a kid and you go, huh, okay. <laughs> but hey, it turns out they were really hot the entire time and I didn't really clock it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I there's no more I can say about Janet. I've, said, I've talked about her so much on the show. Like I think this is the fourth or fifth time, but yeah. Anyway, we'll move on because it kind of fits in with this next one. This is... The Thinking Man Spice Girls. This is All Saints. <laughs> and their song, <laughs> Booty Call. Speaking of booties. Bring it on, bring it, bring it on. 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 You're horny now? <laughs> Not really. 
<laughs> I can't explain why, but they're just there's something so fucking boring about All Saints. I can't even explain it. No, I, I'll stand. <laughs> Never ever. It's a great song. Yeah, it is a good song. I don't remember this song at all. Me neither. This is is this a psyop? Are we being no. tricked? Well, this got to number one in the UK. It was the third th- third straight number one. <laughs> written by cargo panted Shaznay Lewis. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the formation of the band. We've talked about Shaznay writing. Yeah, we talked about her getting kicked out of the band and then they got signed and they went, no, you've got to bring her back in. She writes mm. the songs. We've talked about their fights with the Spice Girls. Now I'm going to talk about some of the tabloid stuff. Please. In particular, the Appleton sisters. Yeah. So, Nicole Appleton. They're, they're born in Canada. They moved to the UK to start their music career. She was married to Liam Gallagher. Huh. They have a son together called Gene. Hmm. And she's the inspiration for the Oasis song, the first song that Liam wrote for the band, Songbird. No kidding. Yeah. And huh. this is a song that Noel describes, even today when they don't even speak to each other, as a perfect song. Uh, he's he. I love that he gives it up to his brother every now and then. Yeah. But because it's Noel, he couldn't just leave it as a compliment. He also added that Liam decided to write a song about his bird and states the title song bird in a caveman like manner. <laughs> um, Great. But uh, uh, Nicole and uh, Liam no longer married. They got divorced when the press leaked that uh, Liam was expecting a child with a journalist um, who was a New York times journalist. So yeah. Can't compete with that. No. Uh, Natalie, the older Appleton sister, uh, she married Liam Hallett from The Prodigy. So for a while there, <laughs> Shit. Christmas Christmas lunch, <laughs> The Prodigy, Oasis, All Saints. Yep. Oh, wow. uh, but her first marriage was to a guy called Carl Robinson, who hmm. was a stripper in a group called The Dream Boys, who she <laughs> met after seeing him perform when she was only 17. He was not... Uh, a teenager. They had a kid together, but the marriage was annulled after within two years. So I don't know how that you can annul a marriage when you've... When you have a child. When you have a child. It's not like yeah. it was like a mistake. Or I, I don't know. I don't know. There's, if you're a like a, a marriage lawyer, is that a thing? I don't if know. If you're an annulment uh, specialist, expert, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> specialist, let us know. Like, can you... Because I thought the whole point of an annulment is you have to prove you never consummated. That's what I thought. Or it was like, yeah, it was a sham marriage. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. Um, so booty calls. I've never had a booty call. Me neither. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in a long-term relationship and maybe the, I've had a booty call, but with the woman who is now my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and no one wants to hear about that. <laughs> I, this is the thing. So I, I'm the same. I'm a long-term monogamist. Mm. Me and my wife were invited around to friends of ours, and they'd been p- trying to plan this for a while. And they said, oh, "And it will just be us, just be the adults." And I'm like, "All right, cool. Like we'll try mm. and find someone to look after the kids for the night." And that was because they wanted to tell us that the guy he just wanted to tell us he was bisexual. Hmm. And I was like, "Okay, so what's this mean?" And they're like, "Oh no, no, we're still going to be monogamous." So I'm like, "Going, you don't need to tell." I didn't say this, of course. I was very <laughs> supportive, but I'm like, "You." You don't need to tell us this. It yeah. sounds like you got caught looking at something on like <laughs> you porn and have to explain it. It's like now you have to invite the friends around yeah. and explain everything. <laughs> but it was like it was a 
I couldn't wait to get back in the car well, and drive home. Well, it's just essentially he's saying like, hey, I'm just letting you know, here's what I jerk off to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I was like, okay, cool. I'm happy for you. But also, did you need to tell me that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, cool. I'm happy. I'm glad you're coming hard. But um, my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I find that like the older I get, the one thing I miss out on conversationally is that I never get to tell stories about random hookups or one night stands or booty calls because yeah, as I said, the, I have those stories, but they are all about Alex, my wife yeah, and everyone kn- knows her. So it's too weird to start bringing that shit up. Yep. <laughs> Gross. All right. Our final song. Now I had this as a single. This is, I'll talk about it after we play it. This is Paul McDermott, Fiona Horn of Death FX, and their song, Shut Up, Kiss Me. I was caught by your smile under a blushing moon. You were the only one left. There and words poured like wine over an open wound. You were the only one left there with skyborn blue gray eyes. Skyborn blue gray eyes. Pale light falls. Over a broken bed You were the only one left there Cold hands in mine Lips bruised and black You were the only one left there With skyborn blue-grey eyes That's the song. Tell me, um, <laughs> tell me why this song exists. <laughs> Sorry. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's, uh, the, what's the point well, of can. this? A lot of singers want to be comedians and yeah. a lot of comedians want to be musicians. <laughs> and I think that is why this song exists. So, look, Paul is a creative guy. Mm. He's a comedian, he's a musician, he's a painter, he's a novelist. Mm. Like, I think he was just doing stuff that he wanted to do. Hmm. And I, look, full credit, that's great. I, I'm the same. I, I do stand-up. I also do kids shows. I do podcasts. I, ha- I have my own serious songs that I don't put out there as well. I write mm. them. This is how big he was, though, <laughs> that he could do this. And people go, yeah. But I was, I was one of these fans. I was obsessed with Paul McDermott. <laughs> yeah. In year 11, year 12, which is when, yeah. so 99, so 98 when this, I think, came out, 99 when this year, obsessed with the Doug Anthony All-Stars who had broken up. Paul yeah. McDur- like, I 
had watched every Doug Anthony All Stars uh, video. I watched Dust Capital, their TV show. I yeah. watch good. I would watch Good Newsweek every week. Yeah. Tape it and rewatch it. Hmm. Like just upset. Clearly, he influenced my comedy career. Like hmm. even when I got the job hosting Spicks and Specs, my ex girlfriend who knew me at this time sent me a message saying, your transition into being Paul McDermott is almost complete. <laughs> I have not thought about this song in 15, 20 years. Sure. <laughs> it got to number 48 on the charts. Paul Mack is on the piano. And I'm with you. Oh, Paul Mack's on the piano? <laughs> Paul, Paul Mack is doing this. <laughs> What the hell is going on? It is just, it was put out by the ABC. So apparently <laughs> he performed it. They used to do Good News Weekend. That yeah. turns into Good News. Like, and at the end of it, he would do a song. He had Throw Your Arms Around Me, that Hundreds of Collectors song. That I got remember. To 31 in the hottest one, 198. <clears throat> yeah, I remember that. That's how yeah. big he was. Okay. And then he'd do this. Apparently he had a, a show called Mosh that he did a whole bunch of serious songs in. Oh my god! Um, but this it's so strange because <laughs> you're listening to it. it, it the title sounds like it's going to be a, a comedy song of some yep. manner, like "Shut Up and Kiss Me," right? Or "Shut yep. Up, Kiss Me." And the build-up of that first verse makes you think because it's so sincere yep. and so earnest that if you're a comedy fan and a musical comedy fan like we are. You're expecting the rug to be pulled out at any yep. second and a big comedy chorus is coming, but then the chorus hits and guess what? It's even more earnest. <laughs> so he would perform this on Good Newsweek. Now, you're on the panel of Good Newsweek. You're the comedian. Mm. You've mm. gone like, all right, we're doing this show. Funny, 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 giving shit, biting kind of sat- satirical humor. <laughs> yeah. right, at the end now, I'm going to go do a very earnest song. It's insane. Like, I know this is a weird podcast to, for eye contact when we, I play ballads. I don't know where to look. <laughs> On the panel of that. And also, part of me goes, you know what? Say my stint on Spicks and Specs was, was a hit. Say we're now, this was 10 years ago, we're now 10 seasons in. Mm. Would Dude. I have been the type of person to go, hey, I'm going to do a serious song Maybe. to close the show? Can Maybe. you imagine? You might have, man. I think that's what happens if you get big enough. Yeah. You start thinking, well, I guess everyone wants to hear everything that comes out of my brain. And you start doing this stuff. It's like, um, I mean, I, I don't want to throw any comedian under the bus because we love them all. They're our family. They're our, it's a brotherhood yes. and a sisterhood. <laughs> um, but the guy from Flight of the Concords, Brett, yep. ha- has a serious album. Mm. And I think he's a great songwriter, but I also think that was a huge mistake yep. to put out a serious album. Like, just do it for yourself like you do. I do it too, you know. I'm not showing anyone. Yeah. Although, like, do it for yourself and then repurpose those melodies into comedy songs for Muppets to sing, you know. <laughs> Fucking a new Muppet movie, for God's sake. It's insane that Paul McDermott did this. Because yep. he has a nice voice, but it's not nice enough to be a pop star, you know? <laughs> like, it's it's comedy nice. <sighs> and I can't believe it's on this compilation. It doesn't make sense to me that it's on here. It's crazy it's on here. Because it was <laughs> produced by the ABC. So it wasn't even like a Warner Brothers or Polydor kind of thing. It was obviously yeah. some subsidiary, but yeah. Thanks, Paul and Fiona. 
Good yeah. job. Good All right, you guys. That's the end of that's the end of the uh, compilation. So let's go through them and we'll vote. You mm. decide, hit or not hit. Definitely. Okay, believe by Cher. It's a hit. Crush by Jennifer Page. Hit. Have you ever by Brandy? Not a hit. Goodbye, the Spice Girls. Not a hit. It's all been done, bare naked ladies. Hit. From this moment on, Shania Twain. Hit. This kiss, Faith Hill. Hit. Every time by Janet Jackson. Not a hit. Booty call by All Saints. Not a hit. And Paul McDermott, Fiona Horn, shut up, kiss me. <laughs> Absolutely not a hit. I'm so sorry, Paul McDermott. I'm so sorry. We have 50% hits. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. I mean, the highs are very high. Yeah, the highs are huge. It's really and hard to top them. It's really hard to top Shania, really. And the lows aren't that low. I, I should point out, like, of all the compilations, the lows are pretty standard. It's nothing else yeah. like going, this is the worst song I've ever heard. It's all, no, it's no all way. Fine. No way. Well, thank you for doing this, Cam. Thanks for having me. That was so fun. I love, I was so excited when I saw this list of songs because I just love 50% of them so much. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good list. Hey, you've got uh, some shows in the Brisbane Comedy Festival. That's right. Yeah. May 27 and 28 in Brisbane at the Powerhouse Theatre. I'm doing my show, Electric Dreams. It's the show I toured around last year. Just doing an encore of it. So if you're in Brisbane or the surrounding areas of the River City, come on the 27th and 28th and come check out the show. It's all about music, actually. The whole the whole show is about the music that I wrote when I was a teenager. You might even and hear some songs that similar to Shut Up, Kiss Me. You, you absolutely might. Do you know what? Maybe that's why it irked me so much because I just can relate so hard to being... A goofy, funny person who tries to write something sincere. Ugh. Uh, and also your pods, uh, Becky and Cam Hotline. Yep. Uh, yeah, we've got a podcast with Becky Lucas and uh, Alexi and I, Alexi Toliopoulos and I have a podcast. Well, I'll plug Finding Yeezus and Finding Drago and Desperado. Yep. They're the things that we make together. So check Excellent. them out if you're interested. Hey, thanks everyone on the Patreon. Uh, if you're not on the Patreon, you would have heard last week's episode with Quan Yeomans, the full unedited version. We got into some little some little industry goss that only the Patreon subscribers heard, plus uh, the Pod Machine episodes. So go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. You guys are the absolute best. Thank you, Cam. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.